This is episode number 18 with Air Force veteran and entrepreneur, Cassandra Melkar C. DeVaca. Welcome to American Snippets, your source for inspirational, motivational, and selfless stories and interviews from exceptional people across the nation. And now, here's your host, Barb Allen and Dave Brown. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Dave Brown here, co-founder of American Snippets. And we have an, uh, another amazing guest for you today. Uh, she's the CEO and founder of the F7 Group. She is Cassandra Melkar C. DeBaca. She was Rise Global's Social Entrepreneur of the Year, and she's started and grown multiple businesses in every industry from coffee shops, medical facilities, and even energy plants. Her extensive corporate experiences include such clients as Starbucks, 7-Eleven, Yum Brands, and much more. But Cassandra also knows the value of our military better than, than most people. She was raised in a military family, and she went on to serve in the Air Force as well. And now she's a military spouse. Her drive, business experience, entrepreneurial spirit, and fierce commitment to continuing to serve has made her the first female to be named Champion of Change by the White House. In this episode, Cassandra tells us about the personal and professional side of service how she sold her business and went on to create her own nonprofit to serve the people who need it. Now, here's Barb Allen with Cassandra Melkar C. DeBaca. Hi, I'm Barb Allen. Welcome to American Snippets. Thank you for joining us here today. Today's guest is Cassandra Melkar C. DeBaca. Did I say that right? That's good. Good enough anyway. <laughs> I think so. it just is half the fun trying to pronounce everybody's name correctly. Uh, today, Cassandra is joining us from Austin, Texas, and we are very excited to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We are going to talk about lots of things today, but most importantly, um, why we wanted to reach out and grab you onto our show is because we are so excited about not only your personal history of service to our country, but what you are doing now to help all the people that serve in our country to support them and their families, largely by supporting them. You are supporting them. I mean, by supporting their families, you are supporting them. You know, you're sort of giving strength to the people who give us strength. So uh, I think it is very awesome what you all are doing. And let's jump into it, okay? Right. Okay, so your organization, we're going to start there and then we'll go backwards to talk a little bit about all the credentials and the awards you've received. But your organization is F7. Yes, F7 Group. F7 Group. So tell us a little bit about first off what does where does the name f7 come from well f7 comes from a couple of things one of which um f7 is a skill identifier for the army that is for the pathfinder and the pathfinder is somebody who you drop in the middle of chaos and they help everybody kind of find their way out of there so they're kind of they're, they they forge a path for others to to find their way um so that's really kind of the crux of of what we try to do for folks that is very cool. <laughs> so you founded this group in 2010. Yes. yes. What inspired yes. you to start this group? What is this group's mission? First off? What is the mission statement of your group? The mission of F7 is to uh, empower and bring back the grit that military members and their families have when they're actually serving. There's sometimes a little loss of that when we are transitioning out of service. We lose that sense of community. So we try to bring people back into that using a variety of different resources. 
What are some of those resources that you use? Some of the resources that we use are just direct transition. How do we get you into an employment situation or starting your own business? You know, after World War II, uh, soldiers came back and the communities embraced them and they helped them start businesses and they started our factories. And and a lot of what we have today is from World War II veterans starting them. So we help them to do that. But we also use some different things. We use art therapy. We use music. We use involving people outside of themselves. So we try to get a veteran or a military family member to reach into their own community and get back involved. Technology is an awesome thing, but technology can also keep us in our homes and isolate us. Um, so we try to pull them back out of that and just engage one-on-one, spend time with people and, and kind of remember why they even served in the first place. So you know firsthand the challenges faced by people who serve because you grew up in a military family. Yes? Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, I grew up in an Army family. My father is a a career Army. I went into the Air Force, and now I'm married to an Army member. So it's kind of full circle. So you were raised in a military family, and then you joined the military yourself. Absolutely. Yes. I I saw what my father did and I just always thought it was super admirable. And I love the camaraderie and the team of the military family. And so you are now married to a member of the military. I am. I am. I've come full circle. And that's that's a big job in and of itself. That I do know that. That is a very big job in itself. Tell us about your wife. So my wife is actually an immigrant, uh, was born in El Salvador, came to uh, the United States as a small child, um, ended up... Uh, dropping out of college at UT to join the Air Force, spent a few years in the Air Force and then went into the Army and has risen to be a lieutenant colonel, uh, recently received her PhD just before she went to Afghanistan last year to be the first female chief of staff of a training advised mission in Afghanistan. Wow. You guys are like the overachievers <laughs> because you have an extensive uh, experience also out in the business world. Yes, I do. I do. So, yeah. So after I got out of the Air Force, um, I was still in the Guard, uh, used my GI Bill to finish my education, and then spent a number of years building businesses and really being out there using what I felt the military had given me a platform for. And that was your business experience, your business sense that you. Yeah, yeah. So I think the biggest thing that the military gave me was um, in the corporate structure to really understand, uh, you know, the more of the big picture. But it more importantly gave me the foundation for being an entrepreneur, starting my own businesses, and really having the wherewithal to to kind of go through that. Because being an entrepreneur is not really for the faint of heart. No. Uh, so I think the military gave me that launch point, which is why when I decided to sell my businesses, starting a nonprofit to help the military only seemed to make sense. And how was that transit? I mean, that's a big leap to make. That's a big leap of faith. That is a big commitment to make. And you had to go all in. And clearly, this is something that you're personally invested in, as this is your life that you lived and you understand how hard it is for military families to go. You you mentioned something, I saw something that you had wrote or an article where you did discuss and something that struck me because I I completely related to it. Uh, the struggles facing military families or uh, employment and resiliency are two of the biggest issues facing military families and their family members. 
them. And then you experienced what it's like to be on the other end of the deployment when your spouse deployed. And you know how difficult that is to fill those hours, those days, those months when they're gone. The person you love very most in this whole world is gone and you're worried about them and you have these empty days and empty nights. But even then you, you found a way to turn that for you, right? You took, you found a hobby, a skill, a new skill that you jumped into. I saw that. I did. I didn't get everything right, but I did get the you know, most interesting parts right. Um, so you took up sewing. I did. <laughs> but, you know, even that in itself, the just that drive to turn around and take a situation that is maybe overwhelming and say, how am I going to attack this situation? How am I going to make this work for me? You looked around your universe, looked around your world and said that this is going to be my outlet. You found a positive outlet. So this, in a larger sense, is what you're helping people do. You're just, it, it, it can sound complicated. People can look at it and say, oh, I can never do this. This is too too many steps. This is too big an effort. This is too big a leap. But when you break it down, you're just, the biggest hurdle is changing their mindset, right? That you have to help them understand they can do this. This is not such a big uh, effort in terms of impossibility. It is changing your mindset. Yes. So you help them look around their world, look around their universe, and you give them resources that they can access. And you give them a, a network of people who are experiencing the same thing and going through the same struggle. And you connect these people together. You have workshops, you have retreats, right? And you have mentorships. Do you want to tell us about one of the first events that you held? Um, so the, one of the very first events I held, actually the very first event I held when I started the organization, I, I just knew I had to, I, I had to draw a line in the sand and I put a date on the calendar and I said, we're going to have this event. We're going to have this retreat. I have no idea how to do this. Um, I, I just know that it's needed. So we put a date on the calendar and we had an event and we brought women out. We brought veterans out. We brought spouses out. And basically what I like to call it is we had grown up Girl Scout camp. We just got out there. We had our phone. We, we had it at a place where you didn't have reception, which was great. Um, and we just got to be real with each other. Talk about, you know, the things that were really going on in our lives. Because especially as women, we're usually, you know, I got it. How's everything in your world? I got it. When behind us, everything's falling apart. The kids are going crazy. And, you know, the... AC is blown and my spouse is deployed or whatever, you know, but to the world, we're saying, I got it. No problem. Well, this was a place where we could say, you know what? I don't got it. I have no idea how I'm going to survive tomorrow. Um, and it was okay. It was okay to feel that way. And the great thing about it was we had women veterans and women spouses who got to see the other side of it. We had one spouse who said, you know, I really understand what my husband is doing now when he acts, you know, you know, a certain way after deployment by talking to this woman who's been deployed because she's using the language I understand. So now, so we got just to have that relationship. And actually from that very first event, which was six years ago now, we have women from across the country who would have never known each other who are the very best of friends still. And that to me, that that's what I would consider a legacy. I mean, I've, I've had some fortunate things to be able to do. We've been able to help a, a, a Purple Heart woman, recipient woman, get a mortgage-free home. We've been able to help with some great, great things. But one of the best things is that I can go to sleep at no, night knowing 
that I have connected people to one another once again. That is a pretty awesome feeling. I know. And uh, when you do it in such a meaningful way, in a way that you are helping people set up, you're poising them to follow through and really make these changes or I don't want to call it improvements, but you know, to, to take these steps in their life that they want to take to get where they want to get. And you are a catalyst for that. So that is something that um, is just invaluable. And I can only imagine how these families feel. They, they stay in touch with you. Do they reach out to you? Yes. Let them know yeah. yeah, I'm in touch. Exactly how that works. So you're sort of building this community. Now, where, where do you operate? Where does your organization reach? It's we are across the country. Sure. Yeah. We're based in Austin, but we have an international reach. So every military installation around the world, um, we have access to, they have access to us. We have built an incredible network where I can connect people to one another. And I don't even need to be a part of that, which is pretty awesome. So what has been one of the biggest challenges for you as you have undertaken this adventure? <laughs> um, there's a couple of things. One I would say is, you know, I, I got to build great businesses as an entrepreneur, everything from ethanol plants to coffee shops. But the nonprofit world has been incredibly challenging because it's emotional. You know, you're emotionally invested in people's lives and you, and you just really care about them. You want to help everybody. You can't. Um, and there's there's just a lot going on out in that at, in that atmosphere. I don't have the ability to turn that off. Some people are really good about just turning that off. I'm not. Um, I, I should probably get better about that. Um, so that's one. One of the other challenges is um, I think we're so far away from 9/11 that a lot of Americans have forgotten. You know, that first couple of weeks, you saw flags everywhere and you just heard about it now. Even at airports, you know, soldiers would come home and there were tons of people there to greet them. And I think we've, as a country, kind of forgot. We've become immune to it. You hear about, you know, a bombing or you hear it about deployments and it's just become such a part of our language now that we've forgotten how big that is. Um, and especially as a National Guard family, which I know you understand, is that... You know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, about my my wife deploying and, and coming home and they say, oh, well, isn't she in the National Guard? Don't they just, you know, go hang out for a weekend and go camping? And I'm like, all oh, weekend warriors, right? Just a weekend warrior. Yeah. So it's just reminding the community that we've got we've got people out there and we've got families who are sacrificing every day um, without making people feel guilty. You don't want to make people feel guilty because they're not in the military right. and you want to really connect them. So I think that's, that's a big challenge is just keeping it on the forefront of Americans minds that these are people who have volunteered. We're not in a, uh, these are not people who were forced to go in the military. They volunteered. Right. Um, so really connecting them. I think this, it's always going to be key for us. So there are some people, you bring up that interesting point. Uh, I was reading in the news, I, I see, you know, Ivanka Trump is now focused on military families and employment for military families and some of these benefits that are available. So as I'm scrolling through the comments and reading these stories, I see some people who are very supportive, whether they're in the military or not in the military. Yes, we should absolutely help these people. But then there's these other people. I'm curious to know what your response would be to them if they were to come up to you. These other people that comment and say things like, you know, what the heck? These people volunteered. Why should we be doing 
They're worrying more about them. They understand what they got into. What are, why are these wives crying when their husbands, you know, are away saying how difficult this is? This is what you signed up for. Suck it up. I didn't sign up for this because I don't want to do it. You know, these people are not entitled to anything else because they volunteered for this. So they should just be prepared to deal with everything that comes. And we are not responsible for, for you know, ensuring their happiness or their well-being in life. What would your response to comments like that be? So I have a very different response to my wife. My first response is honestly, in full transparency, it, it makes me angry. Um, it hurts me that they would think that way because these folks are doing this this job so that that person can speak that way. And that's my spouse's view is, you know, I, I wear the uniform and I do this job because in another country, they can't speak that way without any kind of retribution. Um, that's a more altruistic point of view. And I'd like to feel that way. But honestly, I, I, I get very hurt. Um, but what I like to tell people like that is, you know, we have a bill of rights. But what about our bill of responsibilities? You know, so these people have chosen to feel their responsibility is to serve in uniform. If that's not what you choose, great. But what are you doing? Are, are you volunteering in a PTA? Are, are you a scoutmaster? What are you doing in your community to fulfill your, your sense of responsibility? And if you're not, then, then let's talk about how maybe you can be a part of that. <laughs> be a part of the solution. You know, I, I go to, I go to individuals and I go to CEOs all the time who I feel are not up to their responsibility. And I tell them what I feel like they're doing, not doing right. But I always come with a solution. I don't feel like you're supporting our military. Here's a way you can, or I don't feel you're supporting the community, but here's a way you can. I'm very solution based. And are they receptive to that when you approach them? I think most of the time they are most of the time they are. Um, because people really still, I think, to a core people, people are good. Um, sometimes we just have to remind them of their goodness or that core. And, and then ones that aren't, uh, again, you know, thank God we live in a country where you can have a difference of opinion Yes, because we, we can disagree. You and I can disagree on a very fundamental thing, but it doesn't mean we're going to, you know, hurt each other because we have a difference of opinion. And that's the awesome thing about living in this country. That was a, very to the point, yet um, very diplomatic answer, but in a in an honest way. That was well, well spoken because my first reaction to those comments is a little more um, less reserved. I think uh, I, I need to I need to learn I need to learn some Cassandraism to how to be a little more diplomatic. I think so. Your work has got you. Not only have you managed to reach the families that you're reaching and making that impact in them, but other people are noticing the work that you've done. For instance, the White House noticed some years back, and you were actually awarded the Champion of Change Award. What was that like? And tell, first tell us what that award represents. So um, every year, the White House uh, in the previous administration would pick 10 individuals in a particular industry and call them the champion of change. They were doing things way outside the box, big to really have an impact on their community. So, so I was chosen as the champion of change in 2012. And I was the first woman veteran to be chosen for that, for the work that I've done. Um, but really what I want to tell you about that is I, I sat at the table in the White House, which 
I'm not going to lie. It was amazing. <laughs> I, I sent my selfies to my dad because he's a, you know, career military. And you always want your dad to be yeah, proud. He had to love that. He had to love that. Yeah. yeah. So um, that was really awesome. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie about that. I think as women, we forget sometimes to just own, hey, I did earn that. Um, It's a little foreign sometimes, but I think it's okay. But the bigger thing is I sat at that table looking and I thought, you know, I'm not all that special. Why out of the entire country is there one woman veteran sitting at this table of, you know, 11 individuals? How do we change that? How do we change that conversation? So I spoke with them, you know, I spent the day at the White House and I spoke with them, all the different staff members. And I said, you know, what I'd really love to see is a table full of women who are doing amazing things around the country for our veterans and military families. And I'd like to help you find those people because they're out there. I am not, I'm not a unicorn. And the, the, most amazing thing about winning that award is that the next year they had an entire table full of women veterans and spouses who are doing things in their communities for the military. That wow. to me is a bigger award. Wow. Did you have any part in that? Did you nominate these people? Did you? I did. I started, pointing, yeah, I started pointing them to people who were doing things. So, and the, and the thing about that is even greater is out of pointing those people out, I ended up finding a just I would say a million. I've ended up finding many, many people. Yourself, um, Nicole Coleman, who I'm yeah. you're familiar with, just tons of women that were doing these really great things and weren't shining. You know, we we don't shine the spotlight on ourselves as women anyway. We're kind of oh, I cured cancer and I sent a spatial, but I got to get home and get dinner on the table. Yeah. You know, so. I was able to find so many women in communities who were doing amazing things. And then it even went further. I found women who were not in the military arena who were just doing great things in their communities with, with their things. So it just kind of opened this huge Pandora's box, which to me is amazing. It didn't just keep me in this little silo and it helped those other people too, because then I had people had knew nothing about the military that all of a sudden became excited. Hey, how do I get involved? How do I be a part of this? So to me, like I get goosebumps. I'm still kind of a nerd about that, that that is that's just amazing to me. Like who gets to do that? So I'm, I'm super blessed to, to be able to, to have situations. And, and thankfully I've been able to use them to really just blow up the communities. Right. So how many people would you say, well, how many people are involved in your organization on your board or say, or how many people does it take to run the F7? It takes a lot. It definitely takes a village. Um, and I reach out to, to hundreds of people every event that we have um, ongoing. So it just, I, I can never have enough people helping out with what I do. Intense. So um, this is a good time to ask or to point this out if somebody is listening and does want to get involved. What kind of help do you need? What are you looking for? How do they get involved? One of the biggest things uh, our focus is this year is on health. Um, both uh, physical, mental, and spiritual health. So what we really need is people um, who are in their communities willing to have um, meetings or organization, you know, organize, organize time where they can bring 
people together to really connect on and on all those levels. Social media is just a big part, you know, liking the F7 page, uh, sharing it with other individuals. You never know who's going to need a resource. So right. just sharing that information. Um, we also always have fundraisers, always require donations. It does take money to help people. Um, so that's a really big help. One of the um, best things we have coming up is we are associated with another organization that, that funds us in our programs. So, and all of that's on our, our social media. People can go like those. Um, but one of the bigger things I would say is if you can go look at our website and look at the people who support us, if we can get people to support them and let them know, hey, I heard about you from F7. I think you're a great organization. And I just want to let you know that I appreciate what you're doing for our communities. What events do you have on the horizon? What's what's your very next big event? Our very next big event is um, a, a physical run in the end of October in the Dallas area. There's a VIP dinner uh, the evening of October 27th. Um, the Chad Littlefield family is our special guest for that. Um, they are going to be giving an award for members who are supportive of the military who are not in the military, which I think is really amazing. If people don't know about Chad Littlefield's life, uh, I definitely would ask them to go look that up because everybody knows who Chris Kyle is, but I'd like people to know who Chad Littlefield is and who his family is. Um, Then, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's okay. I was going to say I got to meet them at this event and they were such a sweet, loving family and they're really so cool and they had so many great things planned. So I'm happy to know that you are, you're a part of helping them get that done. You know, I, I have a good portion of knowing Taya Kyle as well. And I I adore her. I love her. I completely look up to her and everything she's done. I'm also happy to see uh, Chad Littlefield's family now being given a platform as well, because he is a great example. Who don't wear the uniform, they don't serve in the military, but they support Yes. Those who do. And I, I like that you keep mentioning this point. You've said it several times that there's no, uh, there's no like self righteousness involved in terms of, you know, I served and you didn't. So what have you done lately kind of thing? It is, you, I like that you emphasize to people that there are other ways to serve our country and serve our country men, if you will, uh, without wearing the uniform in the little fields, the Chad little field represented that and now you're helping represent him so i like how that all ties it carry on what you were saying one of the one of the other exciting things we have is next spring um we've actually taken a break from having our lsr lone star retreats and next spring we're going to bring those back and i'm working with a couple of young women in the dallas area they have an organization called allo blooms and so this is kind of my rite of passage and passing of the baton to them and that I'm helping them uh, with their, with building up a retreat. So I'm going to bring in the younger, you know, the young 20s who they really want to do something big and important. Um, so I'm going to work with them in the Dallas area and we're going to have a Lone Star retreat next spring, which I'm super excited about. We haven't had one in a while. Um, but again, that's just the idea of we've done all these things and I have a great network 
But what good it does it do is if it's my Rolodex, I want to open that up to other people. So I, I, I'm mentoring these young women. I'm opening my Rolodex and I'm saying, here, I'm going to teach you everything I know. Most of all, all the mistakes I've made. Um, Those are valuable lessons. Yes, yeah. very. And then um, kind of just segueing and opening the door for them to do amazing things. So we'll be doing that in the spring. Super excited. People can check out the website, f7group.com or go to our social media. And participation is going to be open, not just to military families, but to all, to all women who, uh, whether they have been in the military, have been married to the military, are the you know daughter of a military man, it doesn't matter. Don't even have a military affiliation. You just want a sense of community. Um, everybody's going to be welcome to that. That is great to hear. We have had the opportunity to speak with other people who do their own things um, in, for, for our veterans, in particular combat veterans, but we are finding... <laughs> When they include both communities, you know, those who serve in the military and those who have not, not only are they both members or both sets of participants gaining certain valuable lessons and skills and resources and strengths from these uh, programs and retreats and such, but the side effect is that they're sort of bridging that gap, that that gap in communication between those who serve and those who don't serve. And part of the trouble or the challenges facing people who are coming back from combat is transitioning back into the civilian world because the civilians don't necessarily understand what our military is going through. And for people, National Guard members in particular, the family members, that there's no community there. And there's no military community there. I was living next door to people who had no clue that you know, we were even at war, really, when my husband was gone. And so it was very difficult to be completely isolated. So when you're mingling those communities, you're actually helping build that relationship that's yes. going to lend to the strength of that overall transition back in. So it's important for people to pay attention to that and understand the greater value in in that. That's not necessarily one of the listed goals of that, but it is absolutely and an achieved goal. So that I think that's pretty cool what you're doing. I love to see more of those those events and those efforts going on. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of the most fun things. Yeah, it, and you can see from your face and your voice and your reflection there you get all excited. I do that too when I'm talking about the things that you know, I'm working in and I love. I think you can really tell when somebody is completely invested in something and driven to do something because just like you, when you watch us back, you're going to see yourself like how you get, you know, all excited and you can't fake that. And it's actually very infectious. Like I'm watching you and I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, because, because you're, you're pushing that like right through. So it's cool. Um, it's cool that you get so excited about that and you get other people excited about that. Well, so if we were going to peel back the calendar page and look ahead five years, what would F7 look like? In five honestly yeah. honestly you might not even hear f7 i would hope that my biggest legacy even in the next five years is that i've helped another other enough other people and lifted them up that you don't even see me or myself you just see all these amazing people doing these really cool things so it would be all these amazing people giving their retirement speeches or their anniversary speeches or their going away speeches and saying, I would not be where I was today if I had not had this amazing experience at this group F7. 
Yes. That's that's where F7's name will come in. That's kind of a cool cool thought and a cool goal that you know, you're gonna kind of not be needed anymore in a sense and you'll be moved on. So then what would you personally be doing if you weren't invested? You're you're not the kind of person that's <laughs> just like go hang out on a beach somewhere for the next thirty years. So you need to be doing something. So what would you be doing? Well, I am a serial entrepreneur. I'm a social entrepreneur. So it, it's definitely always going to be in my blood. Um, I am a teacher at heart. I'm a builder. Um, my wife is the same. She she does have a PhD. We're, we're developing a training program um, primarily for women, not necessarily women veterans, but just, again, ways that we can lift women and girls up. Um, and not do, and hopefully have it not be part of the conversation anymore that we that that's even needed. It just becomes a way of life type thing. So definitely leadership and training and and helping people in all aspects, whether they you know they're wanting to write their book, they write their story, and connecting them with people, or they're wanting to you know do retreats, um, any of that stuff. That's really where where our focus is. And I think with F seven, we're we're doing that already through our programs, but I'd like to be doing a lot more of that. So if there's anybody out there that they've got a book that they inside and they're just dying to get out, uh, definitely I want to connect with them. I want to connect them with people that I know who either written books um, that, that can give them advice. I, I, I like to do that too. Um, or, or any of that aspects. That's, that's really what I want to help people do. Awesome. Sandra, thank you so, so much for being here today. We are very excited to get this story together and blast it out and share it and absolutely stay in touch and follow you into oblivion until you're no longer F7 no longer exists, but then we'll follow we'll follow Cassandra and see where you go. Um, so thank you so much again for being here. Please do anybody listening in, check out her website, the F7 group to find her on social media contact us if you can't find her but i know you can find her because i found her so go on out there and find her comment on the story share it spread around get people involved for the f7 group and for our communities thank you so much for being here thank you barbara and not just for uh spotlighting on f7 but thank you for what you do i think it's it's super valuable and i greatly appreciate your mission Thanks. All right. There you have it. Thanks again for tuning in to today's show. We really appreciate you listening each and every week. It absolutely means the world to us. And if you get any value from these shows, definitely take some time and share this uh, with your friends. Share it on social media. Leave us a review on iTunes. It's how we get found. Uh, and make sure you tag us at American Snippets uh, when you do. And if you haven't visited our website, definitely Check that out as well. We have some great stories over there, some inspirational videos. We have all of our podcasts there that you can check out. Uh, we have great stories of exceptional Americans doing amazing things, stories just like Cassandra's. You can watch the full interview and check out our featured article on her and the F7 group at americansnippets.com forward slash 018. You can also learn more about the F7 group at f 7 Group. Dot com. That's F7group.com. And remember, it's our mission to seek out doers just like Cassandra and all the other people we feature right here in American Snippets. So join us on this mission and help us get the word out. These are stories from exceptional Americans that deserve to be heard. And we want to empower the rest of America to think bigger and be better so we can show the world 
how exceptional this country truly is. So one last thing. Uh, we also mention at the end of our podcast episodes often, we also mention, you know, uh, a value-driven partner we work or are aligned with. Uh, and today I want to tell you about REWW. If you haven't realized it by now, real estate is one of the best ways to make money and become wealthy. If, uh, if you want to be an investor like I am um, that buys and flips houses, just like the guys and gals you see on TV, um, I have an opportunity for you. Uh, I'm also a coach, actually, that, that, that uh, coaches students all across this country on how to get started in real estate investing. And if you've ever been interested in real estate or are looking, to, uh, looking for a way to, to get out of the nine to five or earn some extra money flipping houses in your part time, uh, then I'd like to invite you to a free training. All you need to do is visit americansnippets.com forward slash REWW and register. Our proven methods and marketing systems are second to none. And that wraps up today's show. Uh, this is American Snippets. We are living, defending, and promoting the American dream. Remember, as Americans, it's not just our right to pursue our dreams. It's our duty to help others do the same. We'll see you next week. 